Teaching Journey Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodian of the country and pay our respects to the elders past and emerging and recognizes their continuing connections to the land, waterways and community. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This episode was recorded on the Wurundjeri land. Hi, you are listening to Teaching Journey Podcast, Connecting to Early Education, Episode 10. In this episode, I spoke with Laura Kerr and Jessica Branca, who had both worked together four years ago in an early learning centre. They are both pocket rockets, filled with passion for early education, and their energy is infectious. Within minutes of listening in, you are able to tell a significant connection between the two of them, and how special it is to find a person that resonates with you in your workplace. A person that gets excited when you have an idea, and more importantly, someone who speaks your language and just gets it. Your unique you. Studies have shown that if we have a connection with our team member, you will have a positive mindset and it will significantly increase your work performance, as as well as find joy in your workplace. Laura and Jess spoke about their drive for advocacy for children and how it translates into the curriculum and pedagogies by pushing boundaries and thinking outside the box, but yet still delivering it within the regulations. I hope that by listening in to their journey and the tips and tricks that they have given, you'll be inspired in your work with children and to reflect on the why in our practices. Do we do them because it has been done for years? Or is it because we have been told to do so? How does it impact children in their learning? And more importantly, how can we take this as a learning opportunity for children, ourselves and the community? And that fits within the framework, policies and regulations. So here it is. Be prepared for that smile that will stick in your face when you listen in. Laura Kerr and Jessica Branca in episode 10. Enjoy. Welcome, Laura and Jessica. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you. <laughs> well, before we start, I just want to yeah, get you guys to introduce yourself. Uh, maybe you can take turns and you know talk about the journey that you've been on, and then we'll talk about why and how you guys actually come together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Laura, do you, you want to start, start? Laura? Okay. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, so I've been in the industry for about 10 years now. Um, I've kind of stayed at a few centres for quite a while, ones that have got quite strong pedagogy, and I think that's taught me quite a lot along the way. Um, My first centre I was at for seven and a bit years, and that had such a very strong, rich philosophy, and I feel like I learned so much from there. And then my second workplace, I came and joined forces with Jess, and I feel like me and her are like two halves of a brain that happen to be in two different people's heads, but we work together as one so well, and I think, from there, um, yeah, my ideas have been blossomed so much and I think Jess as well, we've kind of really fed off each other's energy and of the collective team that was at that workplace, um, that, yeah, really strengthened our philosophy and practices and really kind of made us come into our own, yeah, our own ideas. <laughs> yeah, and that's so um, rare, I think, um, yeah. to find someone that you just can sort of like bounce ideas each other and just sort of like... Yeah, to have that connection is such a beautiful thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Thanks, Laura. How about you, Jessica? What's yeah. your journey like? 
Um, my journey was a weird one. Um, I left a film career. It's not. It wasn't very good. <laughs> um, um, behind the scenes, not in front of the camera, obviously. Um, and um, I, I really struggled in that field because I found it quite cutthroat. Mm -hmm. um, and then I thought, what am I going to do? And I saw the M teach at Uni Melbourne. I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. This course looks really good. Um, so I did that and loved it. Um, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to go into primary or early years. So I did both streams because I was interested in both. Um, but after doing prac in primary, I actually felt that the early years resonated with me more and that freedom in curriculum was where I felt I could have the most impact. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to do that. Um, and then I had children <laughs> and everything was paused. <laughs> um, and then when I got back to work, it was actually um, a little bit of uni work as well. So I did some um, research assistant work um, back at Unimelp and then um, I met Laura and we worked together and it was phenomenal and I'm still there <laughs> without <laughs> Laura now and it hurts me but it's um, yeah. I can't let go it's been so good <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. so how long ago was it that you guys were working together then um, I've only just recently yeah I've only just recently left but about four years so yeah oh yeah, four years very, yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> we're <just> together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And so, um, what's the journey like between the two of you? Have you worked together like throughout that four years, or has it been uh, a progressive of that connection? What was that like? Yeah, we started in the same room, um, yeah. in the toddler room, and Laura took on a room leader role, and I immediately saw her passion and you know we had similar interests outside of work as well and so mm -hmm. it kind of just fed this um energy um and i don't know energy sounds like such a vague thing but <laughs> that's probably the best description of it <laughs> because yeah. every time i came into work i was enthusiastic because laura was there and i was like oh wow this is you know this person understands what i do she it's like a shorthand i can say half a sentence and she knows what i'm talking about <laughs> you know we're on the same wavelength 100 yeah. um and our philosophies were so aligned it felt a bit spooky and i was just like okay this is you know <laughs> let's see how this goes and so i sort of i remember laura was telling me um that our center director at the time said no mushrooms in the room we have to get all the mushrooms out of the garden which is a classic you know remove the mushrooms they're poisonous i get it um and then laura's like so i removed them and i put them in this jar and i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> excellent um, and so we did this observation of the mushrooms as they decayed and then i said to her i think we could do a whole project on mushrooms i'm going to bring in some edible ones you know this is with toddlers um, and then she said, oh, well, we could make it really big. Let's, let's make the room into like this, you know, mushroom house. And I was like, okay, great, excellent. So hang on, <laughs> hang on. So you guys were told to remove the mushrooms, but you brought the mushroom, the mushroom in a whole different scope. In your yeah, room. we removed the yeah. mushrooms from the garden but brought them into the curriculum. Um, yeah, which I don't like the paper ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, that sort of set the tone for us, which is basically... If someone yeah. says, don't do this, we'll find a different way to do it that's safe, but still extends children and our centre directors. <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think getting told that we're not allowed to do something really puts a drive in both of us of like, well, we can do this, we strongly believe in this, but why do we believe in this? Let's show them and let's yeah. prove that mushrooms are okay. This is a learning opportunity for the children. We're going to do it right and we're going to teach the children in a way that's really like engaging for them and also ticks the director's boxes of we've gotten rid of the unsafe, unknowing ones, but we've introduced the children to the concept of safer mushrooms and how to identify them so yeah i think definitely that sets the tone for our relationship and i think um as we've kind of traveled through our roles in the center we've both kind of moved between you know um different levels and you know i was ed leader at the time and then jess is covering between the um nursery and the toddler room and so we kind of shared ideas between the whole center and that energy and that focus really got spread between the whole centre and I think that um, was really, I don't know how to express it, it made me very happy to come to work as well and I, the same thing, I would say something to Jess and I'd be like, oh, I haven't finished off this with this room and she'd be like, yep, yeah, cool, what do we need? I'm going to bring it in and then I'd come in the next day and she'd started this project with the children and the same for her, um, you know, she could say something to me and I'd be like, oh, cool, okay, I'm on to next time I'm in the nursery, I'm going to continue that on and we just got each other really, really well. And I think that energy was really nice to share with the rest of the team and it kind of got other people on board as well. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, really yeah. Good. We definitely felt you when you weren't here, Jess. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Because I, I know that a lot of that would resonate with a lot of people because, you know, we often want to find that person that just acknowledges our idea or just want to be that cheerleader squad. Kind of go, oh, actually, I like that idea. Let's do it. Let's try it. Rather than no, let's not. And stop, you know. Um, and a lot of putting limitations just sort of like putting limitations to your own creativity and you know and also that shows to children that actually certain things you're not allowed to do and you do have to um i guess you know um you know i be aware of those power discourses that happens within the organization and you have to follow suit with those power discourses when what you actually have highlighted to your community actually is that no I can actually say no and I can actually, you know, expand myself um, and challenge other people, mm. challenge the status quo, challenge yeah. the, um, you know, things should be done in the most, you know, and what's normal and that's a conversation that we have all the time. What's acceptable and what's not? What are the rules? Who governs the rules? And what you've done is actually, hang on, let's just challenge that. So that's yeah. amazing to be able to see that, but also to be able to have that comfort uh, among each other. And I do yeah. wonder, just listening to the both of you talk, because obviously that you know you both do um, feed off each other's energy. And if you're in the two separate center, being asked to not to do certain things, do you think that you'll be able to challenge? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we kind of designed, there's, we have two names for it. One is like back of the bus, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is, you know, the back of the bus is always the rowdy kids that, yeah. yeah. I can see that, yes. Um, challenge the status quo, so yeah, it's back of the bus. Um, but yeah. you know, with that comes a trust from your leadership team that yeah. you are going to, you know, provide safe and engaging experiences. So it's not all, you know, we as much as we go against 
you know, the grain, we are still very much providing all of the quality that you would expect from a learning environment. You know, it's it's very much, you know, compliance. <laughs> yeah. But there is a lot of cool things you can do because we have that flexibility in curriculum. You know, we're not bound by that. And so, Laura, do you want to introduce our other our other idea? So I think what Jess was saying about having that strong foundation in um, compliance, safety, child um, respect is paramount for both of us and the biggest advocates. And without that, we can't have the freedom for what we do. And I think sometimes people can hear how we work and be like, what, what do you mean? That's so crazy. Um, but it always comes back to child safety. You know, their needs come first. You know, you've got to make sure they've got their nappies done, their food, their sleep, all of that. You've got to make sure that they've got safe sleeping practices. And then once that's really sorted and the team's really good with that and everyone's on the ball, then you can go to that next level and really kind of push the boundaries on the things that aren't compliance. And I think we've found that little gap really, really well and kind of figured out how to teeter that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> that, that leads us to the other point, which is what we've kind of termed lawlessness. Um, for a little while when we worked together, um, I was kind of standing in for the director because we were looking for a new one. Um, and it was during the middle of COVID. It was quite challenging for the team. It was very challenging for me who had had no experience in that role up until that point. But in the middle of that time, we created like this beautiful project that ended up winning the National STEM Awards for Little Scientists um, during this chaotic time that we kind of dubbed lawlessness. And it kind of became, it wasn't lawless in terms of compliance, like we followed all the laws, but our ideas were like, well, you know, we're running the show at the moment. What, what have we always wanted to do that we've never been able to do? Because, you know, the people in, like, up in charge have told us that we're not able to do it. Let's just have a go, you know? Who's saying I can't purchase this? Who's saying we can't do this project overseas? Let's just try it. And like, I'm always a big advocate for if you do things first and get permission later, instead of asking for permission and maybe being cut down first, I think have a go and just assume that it's correct, especially if you know that what you're doing is suits the children, suits the community, you've got strong pedagogy behind it, just yep. do it and then seek forgiveness later because quite <laughs> often, you won't need to ask for forgiveness because what comes out is very, very rich. And so I think that's kind of our philosophy of lawlessness has kind of been born within that philosophy, you know? Yeah, I love it, lawlessness. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's like a new word. Yeah, they yeah, just created it in the dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But I guess, you know, you know, it, it does stem from a lot of your confidence, you know, your confidence and the experience and the knowledge that you have. And so what do we say to people who do want to challenge that boundary, do want to explore a little bit more, but have a little bit of fear? Mm. What are the steps and measures that, you know, we can take as educators so that we can actually advocate for the children as well and mm. to push that, you know, boundary in the terms of curriculum? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I reckon it's, it, it's a hard one. I, I know, um, at the moment, I'm I'm standing in as an ed leader, and I have I'm working with some people who who do need that support, who maybe are a little bit you know um, hard on themselves, I would say, because they don't recognise their own power, you know. Um, and with with the children, they they just assume that they can share their ideas and it's safe, 
you know if, if they feel comfortable they will do it um with adults i feel like there's you know there are lots of different layers to each of us and until we feel comfortable enough to sort of be vulnerable and share those those sort of deeper layers we we kind of have this professional facade that we we keep um and yeah, vulnerability is really important. I had, um, before Laura was our ed leader, we had a person who, Valentina, shout out to you, um, Love was <laughs> transformative in my practice because she really challenged, like I came out of university, I came out of working for university, I was really, you know, I loved theory and I had these, you know, this is best practice, I know what it looks like, um, and she challenged it straight away. And it was phenomenal because it just made me pause and think. And she really sort of made me lean into things that made me feel uncomfortable about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it gave me permission to look at other options, you know, without embarrassment, without, you know, oh, that's, you know, it, it may help me to challenge myself and question myself. Um, and I needed that because then it kept me sort mm-hmm. of seeking new options. And I, I feel like I wouldn't have got to the stage that, Laura and I did at the time without actually needing to disrupt my thinking. So I think if you can disrupt someone who's not feeling confident with a confidence boost, <laughs> you know, yeah. as an air leader, that's that's part of the role is to is to champion people and pick the things that you can see in them that are fantastic and say, I love this about what you're doing. I want you to focus on this because you do it so well. Mm-hmm. You know, and can you share this with other people? because it's so good, you know, yeah. there will be something, there's, everyone has something and, you know, it, it's it's often the most unassuming people have so much to share, you know, so I really think that there is room here for everybody, you know, and we should be, like we celebrate our diverse children, be celebrating yeah. our diverse co-workers as well because they bring a lot to the table. Yeah, it's such a uh, simple equation, but yet it's so complex and, you know, I think it's something that we don't have the platform to really have those conversations uh, in terms of, all right, you know, what what sort of diversity do we have? Um, and how can we have these inclusive learning opportunities for everyone, including educators? Uh, we talk so much, we, a lot of the time that educators have professional dialogue is around children and around you know routines and transitions and supporting families but yet we always forget about ourselves and how do we interject and use strength-based approaches for our Uh own team Um, and sounds that you've almost find that um, a good balance within um, your room when you were both working together and do you find that that's something that took a while to find that right balance? Because I would assume that there would be other people in the team with you as well. Were they all on the same page? Were they a bit of um, challenge? <laughs> I think at the beginning with the toddler team, pretty much like everyone yeah. was on the same page. And I think with me and Jess straight away, we were like, yeah, we love each other. This is awesome. Let's start making magic. Definitely, as time goes on, teams change, people come in and out. Me and Jess have both been in kind of more roving roles between the centre, so we kind of interacted with most of the team most days. Um, That's when those challenges started to come out, and that's when reflecting back on what you said about people's own personal strengths, their own personal philosophies, their own personal backgrounds, really that was something that we reflected on quite a lot. Um, Me and Jess were talking not too long ago about what happened in like how was your childhood for you and how was your teaching experience for you when you were little 
and how is that impacting how you're teaching the children today and that's something that we've reflected quite a lot on with different teams throughout our time working together is you know for my childhood I grew up quite um, laissez-faire you know it was really easy going and that's how I kind of am as a teacher now because that's what's been role modeled for me but a lot of people you know in my team maybe they've grown up in a different country where it's a lot stricter their learning is a lot more rote learning and a lot more you sit down you listen to this you do this and so I see that come out in them when they do their teaching style and having that um, that insight on other people's learning journeys and where they are, that really helps you to reflect on, hey, okay, maybe they're using this, but that's probably what they've grown up with. Maybe we can work in a gentle way and show them other ways of being and then hopefully learn some ways of being from them as well. I think being aware of people's journeys is really important to kind of get that coexistence and to figure out people's strengths. Um, yeah, that's most definitely and i think we um definitely don't talk a lot about that in the leadership role um yeah. that as a leader that you've got a powerful position to be able to sit down and get to know individual people in your team to get to know them on a really personal level finding out where their you know pedagogies and you know social uh, cultural contacts and how they conceptualize their understanding of even the basic, you know, image of the child. What do you think about children? Uh, how do you see children in the engagement in their environment? But yet we don't really create that time to be able to do that. And often I do find that, you know, um, we have this high expectation for people to come in into the job. You need to be able to know X, Y, and Z. You need to follow suit with the framework. You need to uh, follow, be compliant and be aware of what the laws are and follow those, um, you know, um, authority um, uh, instructions. Uh, but yet we often do forget to spend time with people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But though it's, it is a little bit of a challenge, isn't it, being in a leadership position? And what is that is like for the both of you? Has it been a smooth sailing uh you know, leadership journey, um, because I can see that you've got really strong uh, confidence aura. But has that been a natural thing? Or is that something that has been, you know, a working in progress? Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, always working in progress. I think outwardly, I have lots of confidence in everyone. I say that I've got resting happy face because instead, like I'm just always smiling. Even when I'm grumpy internally, I'm always smiling and I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys, this is really important. I'm sorry for cracking it. And everyone's like, are you angry? I'm like, I'm so angry. Like, I can't it. <laughs> and so I think I've got developed really lovely, strong pedagogy that I really feel and really strongly believe in. And I know inside of my heart, what's right, how to treat children, all of this. But I think for me, the hardest part with leadership is being strong and advocating for children and saying, hey, hold on, the way that you picked up that child is not appropriate. Or, hey, you know, maybe you can't call that child by that name. Here's an alternative. I think that's something and finding that voice within myself to be like, this is what's right for children is something that I'm still, still, still developing um, as I go on. And that's something that I really struggle with, even though outwardly I'm very seem very confident inside I'm like hi guys let's do this <laughs> and so, that's so important to um, highlight because you know on yeah. the external we have we yeah. embody someone so that we can keep going in our roles we you know we're in a certain position of power and so we need to um, be in that uh, I guess uh, face and facade 
Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I think it's also really important to, um, you know, be honest and vulnerable around those difficult times that kind of say, actually, that was a really hard conversation. Um, uh-huh. And that it's, it's okay, let's, let's just work it out. Let's find out why you're having those conversations like that uh-huh. with the children. Why are you picking children out like that? Rather than, all right, I need to do this because this is my job and I just, I'm shitting my pants, but I still have to go ahead <laughs> with it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think being honest is definitely something that I relied on quite a lot. Even with my new team now, I've said to them straight out, I'm like, I'm not the best at bringing up feedback. So if I give you feedback, it's something that's really important to me. Like, please take it seriously because I'm not one to be like, that wasn't me, blah, blah, blah. Like, if I bring it up, it's because I really feel strongly about it. And I think like that honesty of just like, this is where I know I'm still learning you know hopefully the team took that really on board quite well and the things that I have given them feedback for they've responded really well to and I I hope that that bit of honesty kind of helped them to get a bit of insight into me and then also you know they don't take my comments as just flippant like oh yeah Laura's saying that it's something that I really strongly believe in because I've brought it up so um yeah definitely that honesty is something that I really believe in as well and I think we've me and Jess have both got always honest with each other even the good the bad she's like that's not working I'm like it's not working (laughs) Um, I think Jess is really good at um getting those conversations with other people and that's something I really admire in her as well is kind of having those tricky conversations um she's always like hey this space over here what's happening with that um how could you develop it further which children is it set up for what learning is based on that really like digging deep with educators and kind of getting them to think about it that's something that i find jess does quite well and so when we've been working together i've been trying to like absorb her language (laughs) we always call it getting our inner our inner like maybe my inner jess or you know some other mentors i'm like i've got to get my inner catherine and be a bit stronger that's something that we kind of learn off each other and kind of be stronger leadership through that so yeah. yeah fantastic and so Jess where did that all come from that skills um, where have you acquired that skills in having those difficult conversation um life <laughs> yeah. um, I actually because I want people to succeed in their work hmm. you know and I want everyone to get the most out of the time that we have together um, I think it's if you're too shy to mention something, you know, that can really hold things back, especially if, you know, Laura and I did a lot of project work together. You know, if you need to keep the ball rolling and you've got all of that compliance and all of the, you know, frameworks and whatever going on in the background and you want something exciting to happen, you really don't have time <laughs> to rest on your laurels and go, oh, that'll do. I can deal with that tomorrow, you know. So I am, you know, I'm not the movie everything everywhere all at once, but at work I am like you know (laughs) I'm like pace lady, you know. (laughs) Um like an arcade game, you know. (laughs) Um, And but what I try to do is if I see something, I stop, turn, talk to that person, hey, I love that. How can we, you know, and there's I'm gonna swear if I can, um, our old director called it the shit sandwich, <laughs> which yes. is my favorite approach to yeah. a problem, <laughs> which is, you know, something positive, the actual problem, and then something negative, um, or something positive, positive at the bottom. So two positives of the bread and the filling is what you actually need to say. Um, yeah. And it's actually the best thing because 
you know, people leave it hearing what they need to hear, but also hearing some things that support them as a human, <laughs> which is what we all need. You know, and I found that if you go around giving people just negatives, they'll push against you. So if you want the team to come with you, you actually need to provide them with some hope. <laughs> so, you know, being all negative is not a good way to deliver news. Um, so, yeah, and, and there is always something good about something that someone's done, even if they just turned up. That's something, you know? So, yeah. And I think quite often when you're an adult, it's very rare to get compliments. Like yeah. I feel like, and I feel like of me, I'm quite positive as a person, a compliment doesn't cost you anything. If you've got that thought in your brain, say it to somebody. And I think as an adult, especially at work, it's quite rare to get those compliments. So I think spreading that love and building people up so that when you have that hard conversation, they know, oh, that Laura doesn't hate me. She doesn't think I'm a worse worker. She's given me 10 compliments before she's given me that feedback this is just something I need to work on. I think that's really, really important. And I think that helps the team, uh, team cohesion and the team morale by, yeah. you know, just sharing the love with everyone. And the more that you share with each other, the more that other people will share back and it will become a really strong team. But I think, yeah, without that and the negativity and you came in late, you did this, this wasn't done right. How come that wasn't done? And everyone's just like, well, like, whatever, I'm over this. Yes. Like, who's this Laura chick? I'm going. <laughs> You've got to have a good balance. So, yeah, definitely the ship sandwich. <laughs> and it's, good for, it's good for parents as well. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. Though I do think that, you know, um, to be able to receive feedback in a, a negative mm -hmm. or a constructive feedback is someone something that you'll have to develop that relationship with. So yep. what are the steps and measures that you've taken to build that trusting relationship with your team? Mm. I think the, like the first thing that comes to my mind is the, the phrase, it's not personal, it's professional. Yeah. You know, and that straight away, people understand that. It's like a shorthand for this is you and I talking as professionals. You know, mm. if we were in an office environment, this wouldn't be taken personally because this is what we're doing. You know, um, it's the same. I feel like, you know, that professionalism really counts in our sector. It really does. And, you know, people talk about it, they refer to pay. And that's important, absolutely. When you're dealing with each other, it's so important that you recognise each other's professionalism, you know. And when you have that lens, then you can approach things in a way that isn't offensive and, you know, because you have to work together and you want to get things done. And mm -hmm. I've found that the more team cohesion there is, the easier it is to nail the things that are really cool and awesome and exciting and fun. You know, the things that keep me at work um, yeah. and the, the things that I have to go to work for are easier because I know the whole team are with me. So mm -hmm. it, it is actually, you know, getting everyone to understand that you're there as professionals, you know, and so your meetings are productive times, the times when you can get together and then maybe you'll get together socially for drinks and it'll be the best time you've ever had. But you know, have all of you know, all those times are important, and it is just investment in your team. Yeah, and I think um, I think as well, investment in the team, and then figuring out the people in the team how they receive feedback. Some people want to be privately, you know, taken to the side and told. Some people would like just a quick, "Hey Jess, hold on a second, you've left the cup out. Like that's not right." Some people I found, like I'm quite a, a friendly, jokey person. So some people that have got that kind of rapport with me, I'll make a joke with them about it. Hey, blah, blah, blah. And they know I've messed up, but I don't have to like bring it up as a big serious thing. They've got the message. And I think 
that's something that trying to find the people in your team and trying to find what works for them. Sometimes you can explicitly ask them, hey, what would you prefer me to bring you to the side privately, me to bring it up in the moment? Um, that I've found has been really beneficial. And once you click onto the team's ways of being, it's a lot more easy to kind of have those chats with people because it's on their terms, you know? Um, the other way that I was going to say is, yeah, same, bringing it up in team meetings before any issues. Hey, I would really like open communication within this team. Please don't take it offensively if I'm saying I need someone outside right now, it's really busy. Or, hey, um, team has done lots of nappies. Can somebody please come and help her? Don't take it personally because it's just professional. And also, please feel free to call me out as well. Hey, Laura, you've been doing planning all the day. I need someone in here. Can you come and help? don't take it personally. If you set that tone at the beginning, people will start to live it. It might take a little bit of time, but just, you know, live and breathe that open communication and no offense taken and it will get there. Yeah. And it's so important that the leadership team will be able to, I guess, role model that honors um, culture. I think it's a culture within the organization. And so if, you know, everyone is honest with each other and, you know, feedbacks are taken constructively and are given in an everyday um, communication, then it doesn't become a personal, um, you know, situation. And I think that's the hardest thing because we take every single thing personally and it's so hard to shift that. But what you've actually highlighted that is doable that you you can create a really um, you know professional honest um, uh, and working together sort of culture um, and it's amazing that you've done it you breathed into it I can imagine Laura that you're moving on into another center creating that culture as well yeah. um, and spreading that knowledge and and spreading that ability and that leadership to other um other center and other organizations so um yeah well done it's definitely a big effort and i know a lot of centers do struggle with that so yeah 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 we literally had that conversation about a week ago so yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah we're all very new it's a brand new center so everything's very fresh still so though brand new to develop those habits yeah <laughs> brand news are fantastic to create yeah. new habits and cultures it's the yeah. really old <laughs> Um, yeah, really all centers that I think uh, can be a little bit of a challenge. So yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. Um, so should we talk a little bit about the Little Science Project? Because um, I know we touched a little bit about that. So what is the process like? What was the focus? Is that something that you were working with the children, with the community? What was that all about? Yeah, yeah um, I think because I like to read in my spare time <laughs> and um, I was reading some physics books at the time and I was reading about time and I thought to myself, I wonder, you know, I wonder if we could explore this with the children. And so it was an intentional experience to start with. And when I looked at the, the books that I had, I wanted to figure out what you know, if there was any research behind children and time. So I looked at some and I found this article and it was talking about, you know, old children shouldn't learn about time until year two. And then I looked at the vowels and that's the same thing. I'm like, what? I thought, okay, what are they experiencing before then? I want to know about their experience of time because they're absolutely experiencing something, you know? <laughs> so I took it up to Laura. I said, look, this is what I'm thinking. 
is this crazy? And Laura said, no, it's not crazy. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. So thank you, Laura. So we went up to the kinder level and we just pulled, like Laura and I both went on the same day. I remember that day. We both went together and we, we pulled these small groups of children. Just they were working on other things. And I just said, oh, you know, can I, can I interrupt you for a second and just ask you, you know, what is time? And they had the most profound ideas. And I wrote down what they were saying and Laura wrote down what they were saying. We came together again and we looked at the things the children had said and they were, you know, they were exploring um, time in relation to beings that weren't human. So, you know, our time is different to a tree's time. A tree's time is different to an animal's time. Some children had like that really experiential, my, my time is different to my dad's time because he's in a rush when we leave the house and my time is slow, you know, and some children took it straight into like a physics realm, you know, our really cluey physicist children were like, oh, time's, time's so fast. I'm like, whoa, tell me more, you know, <laughs> you know faster than the, he said, uh, what did he say? He said light, light and the car. Can you remember that yeah, quote, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he said, light is the fastest thing. And then another child chimed in and it was like even faster than a race car. And he said, yeah, by the time the race car has started, light is already there. Is that not the most genius thing you've ever heard in your entire life? Like, what is this? He's so in kinder. Like, come on. But so he, shouldn't learn, he shouldn't learn about time until three. Like, come on, guys. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the geniuses here. Like, we didn't have to, like, prompt them, set up any no. things. No. We just went up there and was like, what do you know just about time? Them. Like, tell us. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Before we had the conversation, I was, like, expecting clocks. Birthday yeah. calendars. That's what I thought we would talk. And <laughs> no one spoke at all about any of them except someone said lunchtime. That's the only one. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it was all just like these beautiful poetic things. You know, plants plants are slower than us. It's like, well, yeah, yeah the plants do move a bit slower than us. Like that's yeah. slow to do. Yeah. It was amazing. The best thing yeah. ever. Yeah. So that was our assessment of the children's knowledge. And we yeah. didn't do it at a group time with everybody there because we knew it would become this like polluted thing of, yes. you know, those majority voices yes. and then, yes. you know, the quieter children wouldn't get heard. I was like, no, we're not doing that. We're just yeah. going up, we're gonna ask individual children and figure out what it is, you know? So our approach to that was really successful, I think, because in reflection, if we'd just done a group time and just asked everybody, guaranteed there would have been one overriding voice yes. and it would have yes. just been you know, everyone would have followed that voice. So, yeah. yeah, it was really, that was the start of it. And then um, we designed some project work with each level um, mm. based on exploration. I think Nursery did some a repeated experiment with pipettes and they were actually looking at Vygotsky's theory of proximal development because they started with one group and they did this longitudinally across a year with these babies and the older babies were teaching the younger babies what the experiment was in the end and I just I was blown away I was like wow you've just proved that theory guys <laughs> phenomenal I'm seeing theory in action um and we worked with Germany as well we had um we made a connection with the service in Berlin, um, which is really the start of, um, you know, she was asking us, what can we do? Um, this, this teacher in Berlin was asking us, what do we do with science? How do we do it? So she was asking for our sort of pedagogical input and sort of a compare and contrast and support. How do you connect her. with that center in Berlin? Berlin? Yeah, Berlin. yeah, yeah. Um, we, we were part of a German cohort so we had a sister center there okay. um yeah. and got connected through little scientists because they'd seen some of our work before and said oh you guys know what you're doing can you help mentor this person so we yeah. thought yep we can absolutely do that 
Um, and let's go on a project like, together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do a project together just yeah. to help her through it, you know, and figure out, what, you know, is time different in Germany? How do the children react to this topic? What's education like in Germany? You know, how is she going to handle it? And it was so fascinating to see the cultural differences and the approach in this, you know, even um, organisationally, you know, that need to have everything pre-planned and get everything organised. There's no room for spontaneity. It was fascinating and I'm so glad we did it because you know, I learned so much. I know yeah. Laura did too. <laughs> yeah. But, so much. Um, so much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think our toddler level were looking at my time, you know, because they're always so fascinated about having a turn and it's my turn now and it's my time now, you know, so their language was all about, you know, um, their individual voices within the room and their agency as individuals, but also a collective. So that was a really lovely sort of social experiment for them. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the time tunnel, Laura, or any of the yeah, other? Yeah, so um, the children helped. We had this really, really long fridge box. And so the children helped to document the project over time on this tunnel that we called the time tunnel. And so you kind of, when you go through one side, chronologically, um, images and words of the project were going like chronologically. So when you went through the tunnel, you kind of could see going through time, but you could also go backwards through time as well. And so all the children from the kinder levels, the toddlers, the nursery, we all kind of took turns um, painting it, drawing it, um, drawing things that went fast and things that moved slow as well, because I thought that was quite an um, interesting topic that the children quite grasped quite quickly. And so we were writing on there all these different things that, you know, um, one child said that it takes a really short time for a fire to burn. And I was like, it does, you know. So we're writing that on the time tunnel along with all the pictures of their project. And so that was a really nice way to kind of celebrate and document the project together with the children and have something that they can go and explore every time they came downstairs for lunch. Um, yeah, it was really lovely. So, mm. And then we had um, a kinder child who was incredibly knowledgeable about space. That was his passion and he's, I assume, neurodiverse, but <laughs> he had lots of knowledge. Um, and he was telling me about, you know, the planets and he knew all of them and he had all this great knowledge. And I said to him, do you know what happens with time in space? And he he didn't really know. And I sort of explained to him that everything has weight. It's heavy. Like I'm heavy and he's heavy, but we weigh different things. I'm heavier than him. And I sat on this cushion and I said, and this ball, this ball is a planet and I'm a big planet and I'm sitting in space and I'm bending space because I'm big and this cushion is space, I'm bending space. And then look, and I put the ball next to me on the cushion and it rolled towards me. You know, I said, things things bend and they also move in space-time. And so he was getting that and he asked me, he, he thought for a moment, I was like, maybe I went too far, maybe this is, you know, <laughs> he won't get it, I've lost yeah. him. And he paused and then he said to me, if we move the planets, would time change? And I was like, yes, I got him, I got him. <laughs> and so I was thrilled. And then I said, I don't know, because I genuinely didn't know. Um, and then I said, but we can ask a physicist. And so then I rang my friend who is a physicist yeah. and she got a team of researchers. She had five researchers give us five different theories on what would happen if we move the planets around, what would happen to time. And they were phenomenal. And they were also blown away by the question he'd asked because it was playful and it was simple and it summed everything up beautifully. And it, they said, we couldn't describe this better than yeah. this child has described it. And I just, you know, I feel like when we limit ourselves, when we limit children, 
you know, it's just, it kills everything. So you really have to be very open to the child's brilliance because they will, you know, they will provide it. (laughs) And that was my other question. What was the learnings that you did through that journey with the children? What do you discover about yourself and your identity and your pedagogy? Yeah, um, so much, so much. (laughs) Yeah, so much. Collaboration is really important to me. I discovered that. Yeah. Um, And that even if I have one good idea, I can't execute it without the children being interested, without Laura being interested, you know. Um, so without the team kind of getting on board as well. Exactly. Yeah. So there's so much, um, so much power in coming together and working together and embracing everyone's ideas and, you know, letting things evolve and letting it take time, you know, yeah. instead of just rushing something, we're doing this, it's one week, we're done. You know, that doesn't... We, we noticed that with, with the German service, they had this really interesting approach to their project work, which was just, you know, we're, we've got three weeks to cover this topic and then we're moving on. And I was like, yeah. wow, that is, I mean, what happens if a child has a question that relates to that? Do you come back? No, we've moved on. I'm like, okay, you've moved on. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, opportunities are important. And I think opportunities to know when it's kind of died off and then went to relaunch. So this project, you know, the nursery children did that for the whole year. Most of the project, it took months. Mm-hmm. And not the whole project wasn't go, go, go the whole time. The project at some point completely died. We were in lockdown. I was having a mental crisis because I was <laughs> trying to do the director role, the ed leader role, you know, figuring stuff out. The team were just killing it because they're awesome. But we had a lot of lulls and I think Germany had a lot of lulls as well. And I yeah. think that and going, okay, no one's really interested in it at the moment. Um, you know, there's not really any ideas, but that's okay. We'll just sit with it for the moment. And then all of a sudden a child comes in and they start talking about planets or they said, hey, has the, has the expert got back to me yet? And you're like, oh, actually they did. Or, hey, the letter that we sent to Germany, it's actually arrived now. Let's have a look and see what they've sent to us. And then all of a sudden, it gets relaunched again and rolling with that energy. I think mm. being okay with that is something that took me a bit of time to learn um, and not just something's died a little bit, cutting it off completely because it's finished now, but allowing that time for it to spark again and rolling with it when it does mm-hmm. made our project so much richer. And I think that yes. taught me so much during that time of just, you know, always keeping these ideas at the back of your mind just for when they relaunch when the children need it too so but also like just listening to the children like you know obviously the children were the inspiration to the idea and when it actually did die down it's actually coming from the children for it to Mm. you know um to refocus again and i think that's really important often you know we kind of go actually that's all done let's not start you know, let's not open up that project. Let's restart into a new one. But, you know, being able to just go with the flow and go with the children and allow children to be an active agent in their own yeah. curriculum, I think that's always a tricky one because we mm-hmm. as adults has this knowledge and conception of like, actually, I've known everything. I know all about space and time. And I do often find that when we talk about projects, it's always around, all right, what sort of art? experience can we do what kind of science experience can we do what sort yes. of, you know, it's almost yeah. really limited 
Um, but what you've actually shown is that actually let's just see where children are going to take us. How are we going to like try different things and see which ones sit a little bit longer and, 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 and see which one children are really, you know, engage into it yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah. And I think a lot of our project wasn't even things. It wasn't an art project. It wasn't anything like that. A lot of our project was just ideas and conversations over the lunch yes. tables and hypothesis from the children that we followed on another bit later, you know. Um, it, it was tracking the, um, the movements of our shadows over the sun. And then one of the children that really got the idea that the sun was moving and that moved our shadow, I was like, do you think we could make a clock with this? And he said, yeah. And then all of a sudden he's got this big spool and he's got a, um, a block from inside and he's going, oh, the shadow is about here and it's about one o'clock. So he draws a one on there. Like, are you for real? Like, that is so clever. And then he drew the rest of the numbers around there. And we come and check back and see when it was. Like, it just takes a little bit of intentional teaching and a lot of listening to the children. And I think mm. quite often in our industry and as society as a whole, people think, oh, they're children, they don't know much. We, we have to teach them. That's our job to teach them. But really this project and like my work up until now has taught me the children know so much and it might not be the correct science. It might not be exactly what happens in real life, but their experiences, their knowledge and their understanding of the world is so beautiful and so rich. And it's our job to ask those questions, tweak that little bit, have a conversation at lunch and kind of say, well, what do you think happens to trees when the wind's blowing through them? Like what, what happens? And just, the children will tell you because they know and we could just say oh the wind blows through the trees the leaves fall off blah 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 you know and then we just cut their creativity but when they're little they've got so much beautiful um ideas knowledge everything that society will squash out of them like everyone's had that squashed out of them the more that we can do to protect that and promote that and give them that voice when they're younger the more that they will keep that when they're older and that's something that I've really, really learned in the last like few years and especially during this project. It's something that I really strongly believe in now. Yeah, mm. that's powerful. So simple, but yet so powerful and that we actually do learn from these tiny little minds that are just curious and wonders and like they have so much of knowledge yeah. and capacity in their brain um, and we often do take them for granted um, a lot of time we you know when we talk about routines and transitions simple things like that we decide when they should eat when they should go to sleep when they should you know um, yeah. but if we actually just shift that discourse a little bit we'll be surprised how much children can actually um, yeah uh, yeah, teachers. Yeah, fantastic. So what's next for the two of you? What um, are the focus and the projects in terms of your professional journey? Is there anything that you guys are working on at the moment? Just did you want to go? Yeah. <laughs> um, survival. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a tough time right now. Um, I don't know. I. You know what, I have, this is so funny, I get these feelings in my gut about things that are going to happen um, and it's it, it just sits with me and it annoys me until I do something about it. So I'm, you know, that gut feeling, I have the gut feeling that Laura and I will work again together. Yeah. I don't know where it'll be, I don't know what form it will take. The um, universe will call itself up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know we will. And even if it's just us working together, you know, 
extracurricular fun outside of work. <laughs> um, but I, I think maybe, um, I don't know, I'd like to do some way down the track when I've got more experience, um, some professional development for people maybe. Um, yeah, and just I think I'm just trying to find people, you know, and connect with as many people as possible and sort of figure out, still who I am and what's happening because you know I'm four years in it's pretty early days um, <laughs> <laughs> practically four years in theoretically ten years in um but yeah and it just said from what you outwardly show me in your pedagogy like 28 years in you know skipped <laughs> 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 a few years and just got straight into the good stuff like yeah <laughs> I'm ready to retire Dee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, and we're, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, well, me and Jess are really trying and we'll see how it goes, but it's been a really hard slog to get it working between both our centres are going through a lot at the moment, yeah. me setting up, and then yours got a lot of change as well. Um, we're trying to get another project going between the two centres because I don't want to leave my old centre. Like, they've yeah. got like, the hive mind of everything. Like, I've logistically left, but my brain is still there as well. So we're trying to kind of see if the children are interested in this beautiful project that we'll start together. Who knows? It might not happen. We're happy to let it sit for a while, but that's that's that. Um, and for me personally, I think I've kind of stepped back from doing ed leader to a room leader role. And I think that's been a really good change for me and a really good reflection on the things that I really struggled with as an ed leader in terms of, you know, finding my voice, um, giving feedback really um, effortlessly and in a good way for people. That's something that I've identified that I want to work on further. And so I think coming to a smaller room, less people, less children, and kind of coming in with that confidence of like new room, new me, let's try this. I think that's something that I'm really focusing on is developing my language as a leader and then hopefully that will become really strong and then I can go from there and see what happens. So that's kind of, yeah, where I'm at at the moment and it's somewhat okay. It's getting there. <laughs> the team's doing really well, so it makes it really easy. But <laughs> yeah, And you're going back to basics. Sometimes being back yeah. to basics when you've got all this knowledge and wealth of experience can be really, really tricky. So well done on doing that and also recognising that it's an important part of your journey in knowing your self-identity. So yeah. yeah, it's definitely not easy. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really nice to be in charge of a room again. I love it. <laughs> just like, like a to be a leader. Yeah. <laughs> like a little space that you can make beautiful and cultivate those relationships with the families and the children. That's oh, something gosh. that I really missed. And so it's nice to kind of go back to that and remember why I joined the industry. I think that's been really, really lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we go back to the very start when you <laughs> both step into the sector. What would be one of the advice that you will give yourself uh, to your little Laura and little Jessica who just started in the early childhood sector? Um, I think for me personally, I know when I started studying, the teachers were like, you will set things up. You'll have an idea of how they will go. The children will take them in a different way. That's okay. And so I was like, it's okay, they'll take it in a different way, that's okay. I'm like, this beautiful experience I set up, they've just thrown it on the floor, that's okay, that's part of learning. And I didn't really feel it, but I just had to make myself accept it because I was like, oh, this beautiful setup, I'm like, how could they? But I'm like, that's okay, they're learning, you know, and I just had to try and convince myself. Now, 
I'm like, oh my gosh, look what they've done. They've put the slime on the wall. Who does that? That's so cool. Let's see how sticky, does it fall? How could we make it stick there? You know, what if we put it on glass? Can we see through it? And really just going forward with what the children are and just going, yeah, this is great. Celebrating what they are doing and really taking ideas and running with it. I think that's something that when I was younger, I didn't have the capacity to do. And I just kept feeling heartbroken, even though I knew that in my brain, I shouldn't be. I, it took me a long time to accept it. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, those ideas that you've done. Wow, you've used this light box in such a creative way. Let's roll with that. And let's see what you want to explore and how you want to take this and really embrace that. I think that's a big journey that I've been on and something that now I'm reflecting back on, I've changed a lot on, um, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And how about you, Jessica? Um, I would say find your mentors and don't necessarily look for someone with the highest qualifications. Look for someone who has the practice that speaks to you, you know, and that, I mean, I found that with Laura, absolutely 100% phenomenal practitioner. And I just thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to just approach her and ask her, can you be my mentor? <laughs> and I was like, what? Because <laughs> I'm like, yes, you're amazing. You don't need me as a mentor. I'm just going like this, ah, every day. And honestly, I think I said that to you. I was like, are you for real? Like you can, but like I'm following you. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, I know what I want. She's going to be my mentor. She's amazing. <laughs> and I um, think we've kind of brought each other up because the things that, like I'm really good at you come and grab them from me and the things that you're really good at, I kind of follow them from you. And so I think having that professional relationship and finding your people and your team and people that you really look up to and sucking the magic out of them, that's, that's how, you, yeah, that's the best way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not about, you know, you know, finding a mentor means that I need to find someone to follow and, you know, no. uh, take, you know, with the direction that they're leading and, you know, ask for advice. What you've actually shown is that you're both sort of supporting each other. Um, and it's so beautiful to see. Um, I think, yeah, everyone's going to be really uh, in awe of your relationship, but also like really hope that they'll find that other person. Um, it's yeah. almost like, you know, that, that term of penguin, where you found each other in a professional penguin, like you're both professional Aww. penguin people uh, that just, you know, um, are going to be together. And I can see this is going to be a lifelong journey for the two of you. Um, and I really, really hope that, yeah, you'll be able to make magic again someday uh, and be inspiring to other educators to, you know, find the, the other person and also um, just enjoy, enjoy the sector, enjoy children. And it's such a rewarding, uh, fun job that we do um, and you've actually shown that you know I am just listening to children and I'm just being with children uh, and mm. I'm learning so much and I just love my, my job and that's beautiful so yeah thank you so much for sharing your journey thanks Laura thanks Jessica um, it's just thank I've you. learned so much uh, and like I, I my cheeks are burning from just smiling <laughs> like you're right you're, you've got the resting like smiley face I just hasn't <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's beautiful and i yeah i really really hope that um I, and i believe that uh, people will be inspired hearing both of your journeys so thank you so much for sharing thanks thank you it's been really fun <laughs>